It's now time for Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. It began as a podcast, went live on the net, and transformed into a full-blown empire. It's the only daily boxing talk show on the planet, hosted by the only guy with the balls to do it. Many have stepped into the ring. Many have tried to take the belt. And one by one, they've fallen. Another victim of the undisputed heavyweight champion of Boxing Talk Radio. Talking Boxing with Billy C is on now. My style is impetuous. My defense is impregnable. And I'm just ferocious. I want your heart. And we're coming to you live from the Billy C. Studios in Lake George, New York. I'm Bill Caligiorno. It's time for the Billy C. Show. Good morning, good day, good evening. Whenever you're listening, hope you're doing all right today. I want to give a special shout-out to uh, our, uh, well, our newest listener base, Evander. Uh, I always say Evander. <laughs> our newest listener base, uh, Holyfield TV. And uh, we're glad to be part of uh, Holyfield TV's sports programming. And uh, listen, a special uh, shout-out to all of our Holyfield TV viewers. Drop us an email. Let us know how we're doing. Billy at Talking Boxing. T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G.com. And uh, don't forget to download our app. You can get it at fight, F-I-T-E, fight.tv slash Billy C. That's F-I-T-E dot TV slash Billy C. Download our app today and watch our show on your phone and any other handheld device you may gots. Today's show is being brought to us in part by Sal's Neighborhood Pizzeria and Italian Restaurant located on beautiful St. Simon's Island in Georgia. Check out the website, www.salsneighborhoodpizzeria.com. We'll give my man a call, 912-268-2328. 912-268-2328. Find out why I go all the way to St. Simon's uh, to get a decent piece of pizza. I'm going out there soon. I'm going to be uh, coming down soon, so uh, Sal better uh, get the ovens heated up for me. Uh, today's show is being brought to us also uh, in part by Gawk Box. What is it, you say? It's pretty cool is what it is, I say. Uh, it's uh, something that, uh, well, saves you money. And uh, helps us out. And it costs you, uh, well, sometimes it costs you something. And sometimes it costs you nothing. Go set up an account today right now. It's for free. Visit our website, billycboxing.com, and click on the Gawk Box banner. Uh, Today's show is also being brought to us by uh, FireFan. It's a great new concept for uh, uh, sports fantasy games for all sports. Check it out. Just click the banner up on Billy C. Boxing. Dot com. And finally, uh, today's show is being brought to us in part by my book, uh, Tom Molino, From Bondage to Baddest Man on Planet, is available right now where all good books are sold. And you can literally get a copy of it right now while you're watching uh, the show uh, by visiting uh, barnesandnoble.com or amazon.com. Now, if you like to get signed copies, don't worry about it. We'll hook you up. Just visit our website, www.billycboxing.com, and click on the book, which... <clears throat> You can't miss. Uh, just uh, make sure under the comments you write how you want it inscribed. That's it. Um, coming up later in the week, we got the blast from the past. Uh, another request 
Nicolino Loche, uh, Alex Papali, will uh, join me and we'll talk about uh, the Hall of Famer, one of the greatest uh, defensive fighters of all time. Uh, Also, uh, later in the week, like uh, Tamara, uh, Boxing Hall of Famer Larry Hazard joins us. Uh, And then later in the week, uh, I believe it's uh, maybe Thursday, uh, we have uh, an author of a new uh, book that's out uh, about uh, uh, a couple of uh, famous uh, Jewish fighters like Barney Ross and Max Baer. Jeffrey Sussman uh, is going to join us later in the week. So that's what we got uh, on tap. Uh, today on tap, uh, Dax Khan will be joining us a little bit later. Um, some of the things I want to talk about today, a couple of uh, uh, fights that took place over the weekend. Uh, we got some big fights coming up this weekend. Uh, but first, uh, you know, it was announced last week, late last week, that Dana White, um, the big cheese over at the UFC, said that uh, he's... According to him, he already, uh, he was going to have it set. This is him uh, on uh, on Friday, but uh, he said that he was going to have the Conor McGregor-Floyd Mayweather fight deal wrapped up by Sunday, uh, asterisk, meaning the Conor McGregor side. And then he would go ahead and uh, and start to negotiate with uh, with Floyd Mayweather. Um, I have a couple of quotes from him. I have uh, a couple of uh, um, statistics about the projected fight. You know you've heard my thoughts on it. And I'm going to give you some more on why I don't think this fight will happen. But Foist, joining me from beautiful uh, St. Simons Island. He's a uh, New Jersey boxing hold of famer. He's a Guinness Book of World Record holder. And uh, he can toss a pizza and make some great uh, uh, Italian cuisine. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, uh, please welcome the man, the myth, the legend himself, Sal Rocky Senecola. Good morning, Sal. Good morning, Bill. How are you today? Oh, not too bad. Uh, Not too bad at all. Um, I hope uh, you're doing well. You know, I know you're always... uh, uh, wishing for uh, chilly weather and snow, chilly. and you need you yes. need Wayne. Uh, you know, well, uh, fortunately for us up here, uh, we're going to get uh, the rest of the week is going to be nice. So uh, uh, I'm uh, happy about that. I was just about uh, ready to go to the uh, building supply store. Notice how I didn't mention a name, Sal. You see, that's how we got to do it. You know, you know, that's a non. That's a non plug. That's right. I went to the local building supply store, which I won't ma- name because you know they got to pay us to do that. But you don't want, uh, me, you don't want any guesses, do you? No, no, no. I don't. I don't want you to take any guesses <laughs> because even if it wasn't the right one, it's uh, you know. But Oops, the truth. Plug, but right. the but the truth of the matter is, is I was ready to start buying lumber. I was going to build an arc. But uh, we're going to get a, the rest of the week is uh, is going to be straight. But I, I tell you, nice, I should say, not straight. But uh, I, I got I, I got something to talk about. Uh, we got a bunch of things. But um, first and foremost, you know, you and I have talked a lot about uh, the potential showdown, the crossover fight between uh, uh, Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor. Um, I, I, well, let me let me get you caught up to date. Um, last week, uh, late last week, Dana White, the El Presidente of uh, the UFC said 
um, that he uh, planned on uh, wrapping up the negotiations with the Conor McGregor side by Sunday. I haven't heard any reports suggesting that he was successful in this, but uh, but uh, you know he, he he claimed that he was going to be done, and and his quote was uh, as follows: He says, "I plan on having this thing locked up by Sunday, then moving on to uh, Team Mayweather and starting a negotiation with them. Uh, if we really uh, do get it done in the time frame, then this thing could possibly happen. But then again, I still need to go and negotiate with Mayweather's team. There's no guarantee." that we're going to come to a deal. Um, you know, that quote, I think, Sal, I think it, it, it puts it in perspective. You know, I, I've heard yes. nothing but discussion and talk about how the fight's uh, going to happen and how the deal is already done and blah, blah, blah. But that quote, to me, and and putting aside whether he was successful or not um, with uh, Conor McGregor, that kind of says that, I don't know, I'm reading between the lines. I, I don't think it's going to get done. What do you think? No, I, I agree with you. I mean, you know, I thought for a good long time that this has been nothing but a smokescreen and nothing but a marketing uh, ploy for whatever reason uh, to keep their names out there and in the public and to contend with maybe some other popular fights, such as the one coming up with uh, Triple G and Canelo Alvarez. You know, on that magnitude, that level, or something even larger, which they're trying to make this out of nothing in that sense. Not nothing, but, you know, like I said, and no commission should ever sanction this kind of fight. It's not, when you say crossover fight, you know, this is this is something that I, I personally really don't care to see unless it was, as you said, an exhibition or a crossover if Mayweather decides to go into MMA. Then I'd say, hey, that's going to be interesting. Let's see this. But other than that, as a sanction, sanctioned professional boxing match, no, it has no right in being in the same, same stadium or same arena uh, with other professional fighters. You know, uh, Mike Tyson. Uh, we talked about that uh, last week, I think. Mike Tyson had said exactly that. That um, you know, should the fight uh, have been in an, in an MMA cage, uh, he thinks it would be great, but. In all fairness to Floyd Mayweather, and just like it's not really fair to Conor McGregor, Floyd uh, was known for, and his boxing ability, uh, still known for his boxing ability. Um, so it, it would kind of be unfair um, to suggest that you know he fight in an MMA cage. However, you know he does claim he's the greatest uh, ever, and that would just uh, you know uh, elevate that greatness. And, and like I've always said, you know, if it was an exhibition, it really doesn't matter uh, if he wins or loses, but it certainly would right. be huge if he won. Um, but um, with that said, you know, all discussions have always um, been maintained that the fight would uh, be a, a boxing match, which, again, it's uh, not, it's not, it won't be fair. Uh, Conor McGregor, no. no disrespect to him, has no chance against Floyd Mayweather inside the squared circle. Uh, under, uh, you know, standard boxing rules. Uh, but I find it interesting that Dana White says, if we're going to get it done, uh, it could possibly happen. You know, all these uh, <laughs> words and, and phrases that really, uh, to me, nail home the fact that it's not. Now, the other issue is money. Um, Conor McGregor was um, demanding $100 million to fight Floyd, 
and Dana White's talking 75, which is still yeah. a, a ton of money, and you know, thinking that Floyd's going to get 100 when Floyd made twice that when he fought Manny Pacquiao. So, I, you know, the thing about Floyd is he's not going to, you know, take on a fight like this uh, uh, for uh, for peanuts. And no. um, the the other issue, and the most important to me, is the uh, commission issue. I, I just can't see uh, a reputable commission, um, most likely Nevada, because uh, that's where Floyd fights, approving this fight. No matter how successful Conor McGregor is, he's never boxed uh, professionally. And, uh, you know, Floyd Mayweather's 49-0. and I, I mean, you just can't approve a fight like that. You, you just can't. Uh, no. Unless unless it's an exhibition. If it's an exhibition, I'll be the first to pay for it. Uh, my my bottom line is I, I, I've maintained I didn't think the fight would happen. I still don't think the fight's going to happen. What do you think, Sal? No, I, I, I've said also all along, this fight shouldn't happen, and I don't see think that it's going to happen. And from Dana White's uh, uh, comments, uh, with the kind of the negativity in the in the sense and the way he's leaving it, uh, you know, if we could do this, if we could do that, you know, it's 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 the old backpedal. We'll see, and uh, maybe they're going to gracefully exit stage left. Well, the other the other thing that they could possibly be doing, Sal, is uh, throwing uh, the pressure on to Floyd, saying their side is done now. It's up to Floyd because remember, Floyd uh, Floyd has been in the public. He's uh, oh, yeah. uh, talked about this fight and and saying he wants it. Um, yeah, I mean, I can't blame him. I mean, it's a, especially if it gets approved as his fiftieth fight. I mean, it's an easy, uh, uh, it's an easy win for him. It really is. I mean, no disrespect to Conor no. McGregor, but uh, but it's it's an easy win for Floyd. I mean, uh, there's no question about that, you know. But uh, hey, Sal, hold that thought. Uh, we're gonna take a short break now, and when I come back, I got some quick uh, results I want to talk about. Uh, another one of your old guys uh, got a W this past weekend. Uh, so right. uh, you better not be brushing off uh, any equipment, any training equipment. But uh, I'm telling you, Bill, I want you as my manager. Yeah. I'm gonna go back. <laughs> you need a manager. Yeah, yeah. You need you need your head exam. See, I, I like I was saying, uh, uh, Mauricio Suleiman. Everybody needs to get their head scanned before they start fighting for more reasons than one. Hey, listen, hold that thought, and uh, we uh, will be back uh, uh, in about uh, I don't know two minutes. We'll be right back. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're listening to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could join us. And uh, don't forget about my book. Yeah, get yourself a copy. Uh, you can get it right now on uh, BarnesandNoble.com or Amazon.com. Or if you want a signed copy, just visit our website, www.BillyCBoxing.com. And uh, get a copy. I tell you what, Sal, I'm joined here with uh, my man Sal Rocky Senecola. And I tell you what. You know, just watching that uh, 
back brace commercial the, the guy in it really i my back hurts every time i see him uh, you know and he, he writhing in pain you know so i, I gotta get me one of those i gotta get to me one of those the other thing i, I not that i i, I kind of watch commercials but that pool thing yeah. looks pretty cool like where you can just swim in place uh you know endless you, pool yeah endless you, wave, yeah you could swim you could swim for miles and miles and never leave the same pool uh you know in the running the treadmill or, with water yeah no that's a good one but uh Anyway, um, this past weekend, uh, uh, we had an, uh, an old guy, uh, younger than us, but old, uh, way younger. You've got a decade on this guy, but uh, James Tony, uh, clearly a future uh, Hall of Famer, 48 years old, um, stopped uh, Mike Shepard at 26 seconds of the sixth round uh, this past weekend in what was uh, uh, being billed as his final, no matter what, fight. Although after the fight, he said he might fight again. But uh, uh, his record improved to 77 wins, 10 losses, 3 draws, 47 coming by knockout. Mike Shepard dropped to uh, 24 wins, 21 losses, and a couple of draws with 10 knockouts. I don't know if you saw this fight or I don't know if you saw any photos of this fight, Sal. But let me tell you something. James Tony, who I've run into several times uh, at different events, uh, most recently up at the Turning Stone. And he's a funny guy. He's, uh, you know, he's, he's fun to uh, chat with. But uh, he looked like Butterbean. He, he weighed in 248.8 pounds. What? And uh, he had bigger boobs than Dolly Parton. Did you, did, you see any, uh, did you see any footage or pictures of that? No, I did not. But I'm going to look for it now. I'm teasing. Really? Wow. It was that heavy. And he started out fighting as a uh, middleweight. Or, you know middleweight. what? He might have. He Stop might have down. even started a junior middleweight. I think he did. Yeah. I remember. Yeah. Back yeah. in the late eighties, and uh, uh, you know, I'll tell you what. He uh, that much weight, huh? Yeah. Boy, two, oh boy, that's a hundred pounds heavier than what he started. Two, well, he definitely looks it. Uh, <laughs> two hundred and forty-eight point eight pounds. And uh, but think he's, about that. That's that's a hundred pounds heavier than what he started at. So there's obviously some talent that's underneath the layers of that skin oh no he's as as far as the talent I mean, listen listen I, you know we're 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 you know uh, making we're having some <coughs> fun uh, we're ge it's we're jesting uh, but we're jesting. Uh, but uh, and he ingests but uh, we we we're jesting <laughs> but he likes to ingest and never passes by a, a buffet line but uh, uh, but the truth of the matter is is uh, now he definitely looks uh, out of shape, but he was a great defensive fighter, and uh, yes. James Tony, uh, one of uh, one of the all-time greats, is clearly he's a throwback fighter, a guy, you know, uh, ninety fights. I mean, uh, come on, that's unbelievable. Know? That's beautiful. But, um, I mean, that's wow. Yeah. A lot of wars. So congratulations to him, and you know he went yes. out like this in his hometown or close to it, and uh, went out with a KO. Um, hopefully uh, he does decide. You know, because uh, guys like this, I mean, the only thing he could fight for is to get 100 fights under his belt. You know, That means we got to watch him fight 10 more times. And uh, if he keeps going at the rate he is, he, he might be 300 pounds by the 10th fight. But uh, anyway, some other fight results just to get you caught up in some meaningful fights that took place over this past weekend. Uh, a uh, champion, in, as far as the WBA is concerned, super flyweight champ, Kaliad uh, Yafai, Yafai improved to 22-0 and 0 with 14 knockouts when he won a 12-round decision over Suguru uh, Muranaka, who drops to 25-3-1, and 1, the way the judges scored it. Um, two uh, had it, uh, I'm sorry, 
Um, one judge had it 118-108, one, and two had it 119-107. Uh, and another uh, fight that was probably the most entertaining fight of the weekend um, in the uh, super middleweight division, which uh, seems to be heating up a little bit right now. Um, uh, and and V.I. Yildrum improved to 16-0 and with 12 knockouts when uh, he uh, uh, beat uh, Marco Antonio Paribon uh, on uh, Saturday night in Mexico. Uh, these guys, uh, it was a slugfest, Sal, and uh, uh, at the end... Uh, the uh, scores were uh, similar uh, to uh, well, to the, they were all similar to each other. Two of the judges had it seventy-seven, seventy-five, and uh, one judge had it um, seventy-six, seventy-six. Uh, wow. So uh, that's what happened uh, in that fight. So um, you know, congratulations to Yildrum and uh, a couple other fights. Uh, one I wanted to mention um, in England, Josh Warrington, uh, remained un- undefeated when he improved to uh, 25 and 0, uh, with five knockouts when he won a 12 round majority decision, uh, over uh, former world champ Kiko Martinez, who drops to uh, 36, eight and one with 26 knockouts, uh, one 16, one 12 twice. And one judge had it even at 114, 114. Um, not sure if, uh, you guys had a chance to watch this fight, but, uh, a lot of people uh, on social media, and maybe we'll ask Dax when he comes on a little bit later, felt that uh, Kiko Martinez won. The problem with Kiko at this point is he's kind of been labeled as uh, the proverbial opponent, Sal. Um, he, it, it, the fight was close, and you could even uh, say that uh, uh, Martinez won uh, by a smidgen. But, you know, when the scores are that close, it just it boils down to, you know, one subjective opinion versus another i mean don't you think oh yeah 100 percent. and it could have been swayed by uh whatever point here or there that's that's uh, that's a closer fight than i'm sure um one opponent anticipated one of the fighters anticipated um a couple other things i wanted to mention real quick i got some emails to read and uh like i said uh uh, probably in about uh, 45 minutes or so, uh, Dax Khan will be joining us to give us an update on uh, what's happening in social media. Plus, um, some news on Joe Smith Jr. and his next opponent, uh, which isn't going to be an easy one. But uh, uh, according to some reports that were released, the Julio Cesar Chavez Jr., uh, if you want to call that uh, his performance, his fight against uh, Canelo Alvarez, uh, they're saying that they got more than a million buys uh, on that. Uh, I guess uh, the official announcement will be coming out soon. That doesn't really surprise me, Sal. I mean, Canelo, I, I'm, I'm losing interest in Canelo as, as a fighter uh, because of some of his antics. I, it just, it, I can't stand the, you know, uh, diva-isms uh, of, of some fighters, but uh, you can't deny his talent, and uh, you can't deny his drawing power. I mean... Um, the guy sells tickets. What do you think? Yeah, he does sell tickets. I mean, I mean, he he's been marketed pretty well, and uh, you know, he is a commodity, and uh, he's exciting on some levels to to watch. And he, you know, he uh, let's see, he, you know, he's got uh, he's got some good things behind him, and you know, that's what people pay for. They want to see him. Like I said, most fans they can identify with a certain fighter. That's what they. That's why they gravitate. And they're that loyal to a fighter, so there's a there's something appealing about uh, about Canelo Alvarez that a lot of people do want to follow and do want to watch and do want to root for him. So, you know, that's a, that's great marketing on his part. 
not that anyone cares because I, I, I think that his career should be, con you know, definitely over at this point. But Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. Uh, has said several times in, in uh, different interviews that his career is still moving forward, um, <laughs> that forward. he feels that, uh, you know, he, he got conned into losing too much weight that he was too weight-trained and he was weak. And, and he actually did say what I was saying after the fight, Sal. He said, you know, I focused on making weight, not fighting. And, uh, you know, it was pretty obvious. Uh, he says that uh, he made a superhuman, his words, superhuman effort to uh, make weight, and he was successful. And it's something that you and I talked about. I mean, it seemed like the fight that he was fighting was to prove that he could make the weight. And, you know, I... The other part was he was supposed to fight inside the ring, which he failed to do. Uh, but uh, he said that he's staying with uh, uh, Bernstein, uh, Bernstein uh, as his uh, mm -hmm. trainer, the same guy he criticized. I think he should just hang him up. I, I just don't think that he uh, uh, really has the desire. What do you think? No, I mean, it was, you know, there's some fighters that you could see when they leave it out on the on the road or in the gym and uh, – you know they're spent. We use that term or whatever, and they're overtrained, or they're, there's a lethargic uh, uh, note of, of their actions and things like that. But you know, I mean, we're talking about professionals uh, being paid on the upper echelon level and uh, having enough notice to do things right and to try to be disciplined enough to take the weight off in a in a way that is not going to be as detrimental as if you just said, hey, I'm going to dry myself out and uh, and uh, just lose a lot of weight. You know, you could do one thing uh, and you can do another. And the bottom line is, you know, excuses after excuses is what he's going to buffalo uh, his fans with and everything else. And if he should he should have attempted to, to show some spark, some fire, uh, some desire, to uh, to want to be in that fight, to want to—I mean, he didn't win one round, not one round, in my eyes, and the judges as well. I believe yours too. So I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I think uh, at this this point of his career, uh, I don't know if, if people want to uh, see of curiosity and buy a ticket to see his next opponent, uh, and if he's going to be fed a little cupcake, as we say. Uh, I still don't see the the uh, reasoning or the uh, reality of what it's going to do for him at this point. I mean, he's been there, done that, and uh, he showed us what he's capable of, of not doing. And uh, that's the last fight. A fighter is only as good as his last fight, and that's the image I have of him now. And I don't know if he should continue. I surely don't really want to see him fight. I don't you care. know, uh, his next fight might be... Uh in divorce court or, or with his with his wife you know he's got he's got I'll a pretty he's, he's, got, he's got a pretty hot looking <laughs> wife and uh, apparently uh, uh, after the fight uh, which kind of popped up on social media is a uh, video of uh, Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. in what looks like a, a hotel room laying on a bed and he's got uh, no less than at least in the shot that I saw no, no less than five uh, women all around him that <clears throat> looked like uh, they were uh, in the process or, or um, getting ready to take the last little bit of clothes that they had on in the video off. So, uh, and, and, you know, who knows? Who knows what it was? <laughs> you know, they could do a lot of great things with uh, 
uh, video now. And they, for all I know, he was laying uh, on his own bed with his wife next to him, and they superimposed all the other women. I, I don't know. But uh, uh, his next fight might be in divorce court. Hey, one last thing. Uh, getting back to a serious uh, fight, uh, Triple G and Canelo yes. Alvarez, uh, they have it narrowed down to two locations in September, uh, Las Vegas and uh, much-rumored uh, Dallas Cowboy Stadium, which uh, a lot of people uh, feel it's going to end up in. Um, we'll see. You know, uh, Dallas, uh, especially for uh, uh, Mexican Independence Day, might be uh, because of the, the Texas. Uh, there's a lot of uh, uh, Mexican-Americans that live there. Um, makes some sense, but uh, we'll see what happens. Plus, I think uh, uh, the Cowboys uh, owner, uh, Mr. Jones, is uh, uh, willing to uh, open up the checkbook to bring it there, and that's what it's all about. So, um, One uh, fight that was announced uh, the other day was uh, in the lightweight division, uh, who's a champion, who I feel kind of got his belt a little premature, but uh, Robert Easter is 19-0. and 0. Not to be confused with uh, Chris Kringle, but uh, Robert Easter <laughs> Uh, is 19 and 0 with 14 knockouts. Uh, it's been uh, announced he's taken on his mandatory IBF challenger Dennis Shakirov uh, in uh, uh, on Friday, June 30th in Ohio. Uh, Shakirov's uh, got a record of 38 wins uh, and two losses. But uh, anyway, hey Sal, we're going to take a short break. When I come back, I got a topic that's been just just burning me. I mean, it's All just right. it's eating away at me, man. And um, I, I'm, I'm curious to see what you say. You know how we're, we're always talking about, uh, you know, too many belts in, in the sport oh, yeah. of boxing? Well, and, and the, the whole point about having too many belts is that it devalues the belts that, that fighters have. You know, I mean, now, yeah. now we have, uh, uh, you know, which belt is worth more? Which one would you rather have? I mean, everybody's got one, you know. Like we were saying uh, last week or the week before, you know, they're giving belts out like per- precipitation, uh, precipitation, not precipitation. Uh, that's something that's not going to be well. Now that it, it, I well, mentioned, it looks, like, yeah. it looks like it might. Precip- but um, you know, precipitation, precipitation, <laughs> right? Uh, those uh, trophies that the little kids get just for being yes. on the team—that's the way uh, world championship belts are. Well, how about that's halls good. of fame? How, how about all the hall hall of fames that are popping up? Um, hold that thought because uh, that's what we're going to talk about. Uh, in about two. Billy C will be right back. Part of the Billy C Boxing Network. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're listening to The Billy C. Show. And a special shout-out to all of our uh, new viewers on uh, the Holyfield Television Network. Uh, we're glad to be uh, available to you guys, and uh, we'd love to hear from you. Let us know how we're doing. Drop us an email, Billy at Talkin Boxing. That's T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G.com. Uh, remember, we're going to be reading some emails here in a little bit, but uh, if you take the time to drop us an email, we'll take the time to read it. Uh, and you don't have to always agree with us either. We may never 
you know, read another one again. No, no, that's not true. Joining me right now, uh, Sal Rocky, uh, Senny Cola. And Sal, you know, before we went to break, we were talking about Halls of Fame. Well, first we were talking about precipitation uh, yes. belts, uh, which uh, more commonly. So, uh, my man Dax is in there giving me, uh, you know, telling me how to say it, you know, uh, precipitation, you know. But uh, I, I see he's spelling yeah. it phonetically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Th- thanks, Dax. You know, Mister. You know, you and you and Dax together. You know, you're like uh, Satchmo and Slip Mahoney, and, and you guys are telling me how to talk. But uh, anyway, um, <laughs> the truth of the matter is, is uh, the belts are. Uh, uh, giving out like uh, precipitation trophies. Uh, well, now Halls of Fame are too, and you know, I, you know, I, I believe that every sport needs a Hall of Fame. I also yeah. believe that the athletes that get inducted into these halls, these athletes that get indicted, indicted into these indicted Hall of Fame, the hall of- <laughs> <laughs> these athletes that get inducted into the Hall of Fames need to be inducted for. The impact, not only their their skill set in their field of play, whether it's boxing, football, baseball, whatever, but the impact that they made on that sport. Uh, for example, uh, a lot of people felt that Boom Boom Mancini or Arturo Gatti should not have been uh, inducted into the uh, uh, Boxing Hall of Fame. And I disagreed. I felt that uh, both uh, had made a, a significant impact on the sport and both demonstrated that you know they were uh, extremely talented, uh, talented fighters. But uh, uh, the bottom line is that uh, I, I feel that the the amount of halls of fame, um, just like belts, the more there are, the more diluted uh, those uh, uh, awards become. And you know we started with the states. You know the states started. Well, you know uh, we got uh, the bo- the Hall of Fame, uh, and then we got the uh, you know New York. Boxing, specifically boxing, New York Boxing Hall of Fame, Florida Boxing Hall of Fame, New Jersey's, you know, got one now. And, uh, well, Alabama has one. And, you know, what really bothered me is when I read that Deontay Wilder uh, was inducted into the the new Alabama uh, Boxing Hall of Fame. Um, Joe Lewis, uh, Petey Sarin, uh, Eddie uh, Surrett, and uh, Billy Martin we're all uh, and Deontay Wilder were all included in the inaugural class of uh, 2017 for the Alabama uh, Boxing Hall of Fame. Now, um, you know, I, I get it with Joe Lewis and and Petey Sarin and and Eddie Surratt and even Billy Martin, but you know, Deontay Wilder, um, how the hell does he get inducted into a Hall of Fame? I, I mean, they they put a little asterisk there that he was inducted because of his success as an amateur, which is an oxymoron for Halls of Fame. I mean, no disrespect to collegiate uh, athletes or or amateur athletes, uh, but if there's, well, maybe we need to create an amateur Hall of Fame, but but there is no way. What's that? They may have them. Yeah, well, I'm saying now, you know, get another one each state. But, But my point is, is when you think of Halls of Fame, at least when I think of Halls of Fame, I think of professionals. I think yes. of, uh, you know, uh, professional Hall of Fame. Baseball is, is known up, up in Cooperstown and, and, of course, in Canton, Ohio, the NFL uh, Football Hall of Fame and uh, in uh, Springfield, the National Basketball Hall of Fame. Um, I mean, uh, all of these uh, uh, Halls of Fame represent uh, the, uh, uh, the athletes that played professionally. 
Uh, now, there are some amateur and, and historical figures that were not uh, professionals or even non-participants. <laughs> Precipitants. Uh, Participants. In the, man, you know, every day I have a, a trouble with uh, a word or two, uh, and today it's uh, participation. But uh, anyway, um, you know, yes, there are exceptions. Well, in, in Deontay Wilder's case, I, I, you know, and I always find myself talking negatively about him when I really like him, you know, as a, as a person. I know you do. Uh, know you know, you the, do. The, the truth of the matter is, is this guy should not have been, his career is not over yet. You know, well, I could see. I, I'm having a hard time with that. Yeah, I could see him getting in, inducted. Retire. No, I could see him getting inducted, Sal, even for the same reasons he was inducted uh, this past weekend. Um, but uh, but after his career is over, don't you have to finish the career before you're inducted? I mean, most yeah. places make you wait five years before you're in. And, and you know, if they want to look at the contribution that Deontay Wilder made to the state of Alabama and the sport of boxing, well, you digest it all after the career is over. He's still active. He's, as far as I recall, he's still pounding his chest saying he's the best heavyweight in the world, you know, and he hasn't accomplished anything yet. Uh, yeah, he, he he got a bronze medal in an Olympics that were, were wasn't uh, known for one of the greatest Olympics. He, he didn't even have an extended amateur career. You know, I, the the more I I think of Deontay Wilder, the fighter, not the human being, but the fighter, the more I think he's he's totally a, a fraud. I mean, he's totally a fabricated, built up character. What do you think, Sal? Well, as far as his uh, his uh, level of, uh, of professionalism or as, as being inducted in the Hall of Fame, I don't think anybody currently active should be inducted into a Hall of Fame. I mean, as you said, that's that's what happens after you retire. Those are one of the next things that a top world-class athlete could look forward to is that maybe his uh, accomplishments will be noted by uh, the most uh, credible uh components of, of, of his sport that uh, that he would look forward to being included in uh, with other Hall of Famers. So, you know, I, I think that uh, they may be premature and maybe uh, wait till a fighter retires for good, you know, but, or, uh, or so. But the bottom line is I think that, uh, I think it's not, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know how credible it, it really should look at and should be. And Deontay Wilder, as you said, he, He's a good guy. I mean, he has nothing. Uh, we have nothing against him personally. And you know what? If he's pounding his chest, I just we just want to see his fist back up with his mouth and his uh, intentions are. I mean, that's all. That's all we're asking for. Let him fight the best out there and and let him uh, beat beat those guys and and that'll be a a future uh, trait and words that we can count on and talk about when we induct him into a Hall of Fame after he's retired. Yeah, I mean. The whole idea of a Hall of Fame is to recognize athletes after they're done. Their accomplishments, their, yeah. yes. What they did and what their value was to the, to the sport. Exactly that, Bill. And, you know, it's it's not just uh, the average Joe, uh, you know, on that level. It's something that, you know, you you saw some fighters out there that had the fire, the passion, the belief, ability. And, and uh, you know, they, they had some things that they just wanted to uh, uh, bring to the sport that uh, – made it special for their fans and, and for themselves and uh you know they uh but they should be retired and Deontay Wilder is an active fighter who is still trying to build his legacy 
and still trying to establish his his uh, his worth into the boxing world class arena. Yeah, I mean, uh, definitely. Uh, you you gotta you gotta give. You know, you gotta. So so, what happens if Deontay Wilder um, ends up proving us all wrong, and and he goes and he he destroys uh, Anthony Joshua, and he he really becomes the legend that you know is in his mind about himself. Um, yes. After, well, what do you do? You you reinduct him into the Hall of Fame, uh, the the Alabama Hall of Fame. This time, you 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 add in all the other accomplishments. I mean. They're not even doing him justice by putting him in early. No. I, I understand that they needed him to help promote the Hall of Fame. I get it. Nobody has to send me an email and say, oh, well, this is why. You know, I, I know why. But my my main point here is that it, too much. You know, I, listen, you know, I, I've been uh, in my life. I've been in my own business uh, most of the time. And it's it's the basic first thing you learn in business supply and demand demand. you know i mean it's the very first thing if you've ever taken a business class even they probably have business classes in kindergarten now but um your first business class you're going to learn is supply and demand and you know halls of fame and championship belts uh, you know they they go against that rule and the only reason is is greed sal well of course and that's uh that often is the incentive uh, for other parties to uh, promote something is because there's a greed factor in mind, and, and uh, that's what they're going to get. And You know, like I said, I think it was a little premature. He's still an active fighter, and I think an active fighter as long as he – or an active athlete. You, you, you don't see that happening in baseball, do you? You don't see that happening in, uh, in any sport where you're still active and supposedly even at the top of your career. I don't think they will induct you because, you know, the bottom line is you still have more of the story to write. You still have more of the accomplishments that can be uh, part of your 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 trophy case that uh, when you are inducted in the Hall of Fame. So, you know, I, I, I it was, again, marketing and credibility and everything else. But I think in my mind it just backfired because they should wait till a fighter or an athlete is retired. And then get all his, all of what he amassed over a lifetime in his career, and and put that on his resume when you induct him. No doubt, and and I think you said it best. I mean, he still he still got his career in front of him to continue writing it. You know, I mean, right. uh, it, it's almost like they put him out to pasture already. And and nothing for nothing, if they just needed names, you know, uh, you know, they they have Joe Lewis, but Evander Holyfield, who's getting uh, uh, inducted into the box the main boxing Hall of Fame, international boxing Hall of Fame this year. Um, he's was born in Alabama, and, uh, as well as uh, you know, one of my—he's a personal friend, but uh, one of my favorite fighters uh, of the Muhammad Ali Joe Frazier era was Ernie Chavez. He too, uh, from uh, uh, from, well, Al- from the go. state of Alabama, you know. So, wow. um, yeah, you know, I mean, there's uh, there's plenty of uh, other names, but uh, anyway, too many uh, halls of fame. Uh, you know, the, the when somebody gets inducted into one. Uh, you know, you're like, oh yeah, Hall of Fame. Oh, you know, you know. And then you got some of these guys. That, well, he 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 drove through Alabama once, so I, why why don't we put him in? You know, hey, for that matter, you know, I mean, geez. But uh, anyway, hey, uh, just to get you guys caught up on some sports scores real quickly, and I got some emails to read because I'm backed up on emails. Then uh, we're gonna uh, take a break and and get Dax Khan on. Um, 
in the NBA, uh, the Celtics uh, uh, earned a spot in the uh, uh, East Finals against the Cavaliers with a uh, uh, 115-105 victory over the Wizards last night. Uh, they win that series with the Wizards four games to three. So uh, next up for them, LeBron James and the Cavaliers. Over in the NHL, uh, the Penguins uh, beat the uh, Ottawa Senators one nothing, uh, and they evened up that series, uh, one game apiece. So uh, uh, that one's starting to heat up. Major League Baseball, the Indians beat the Rays uh, eight to seven. The Astros, hottest team in baseball right now, seven to two over the uh, Marlins. The Braves beat the Blue Jays ten to six. The hapless Mets, uh, it's pathetic. Uh, uh, they lose to the Diamondbacks seven three. But but the 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 pathetic part is that they were winning this game again, just like yesterday, and the bullpen gets called in, and they start tossing batting practice and uh, end up giving up back-to-back home runs. And uh, at the end of the day, the Mets lost 7-3 to three, uh, against the D-backs. Angels beat the White Sox 5-3. to three. Mariners over the A's 6-5. to five. The Padres beat the Brewers 6-5 uh, to five in 10 innings. And, and I think the Brewers lost because they were the last team to play the Mets, and they just got tired of hitting home runs and scoring <laughs> runs against the Mets. They needed a, a rest, and uh, they decided to uh, only go 10 innings against the Padres and take their rest there. And the Giants uh, topped the Dodgers 8-4. Uh, to four. So uh, the Mets are in trouble, uh, and I'm embarrassed to admit that uh, uh, I'm a fan. But I got some emails, uh, Sal, so uh, let's yes, get sir. going. This one's from our man Mike from Michigan. And the subject is, is pretty funny. He adds in his subject line, uh, Oscar de la Liar. <laughs> Oscar That's de la Liar. So let's see That's what he says. Right. Let's see what he says. He says, uh, uh, so am I the only one that feels that every word that comes out of that fishnet, stocking-wearing, marinated, loving piece <laughs> of crap who happens to own Golden Boy Promotions, Mr. Golden Boy himself, is a lie? He says, first, Canelo wasn't a middleweight. Couldn't fight Triple G because Canelo was still growing into his man strength. <laughs> then, at an attempt to save uh, face, Oscar said they made an offer, which was all smoke and mirrors. And then Canelo actually moves down one pound to prove he wasn't a middleweight, picks the absolute weakest of champions to fight, and takes on Liam Smith. Then he moves up to face an over the hill, severely died, uh, dehydrated, and starved. Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. at, and he puts in parentheses, parentheses, LOL, 164 and a half pounds. So I guess Canelo grew into his man strength overnight and then cashed in on one of his worst fights I've ever seen. Uh, thank God I didn't buy it. And that's uh, his prep for Triple G. Okay, all of this uh, contradictory of what Oscar has said in the past. Okay, fine, he's a liar. I can live with it uh, as long as uh, I get to see Triple G in the ring with Canelo in September. And though Triple G is not a natural middleweight, he's going to he's going uh tinge uh he's going tinge fighting Canelo. I don't get that, but uh, going tinge fighting Canelo with a weight disadvantage, that's a guarantee. Triple G should approach this like he's approached Lemieux and Jacobs. A combination of that jab, best jab in boxing next to Kovalev, and we already uh, next Best jab in boxing next to Kovalev. Um, I know that Triple G has a decent jab, but I don't know if it's the best in boxing. And Kovalev, I certainly don't think of as a great jab throw. He's got a good jab when he throws it, but 
Anyway, he Mine says with a purpose, and you know it can hurt you too. Yeah. Well, I love I love fighters that throw a jab with some pop, yeah. uh, but don't be fooled. Even if it knocks someone out, uh, the punch stats will show it as a jab. Anyway, um, he says we already know Canelo uh, will tire, and if he has any game plan at all that's going to be effective, he'd better get those uh, cinder blocks out of his shoes. And when he does get tired, he better not hang out on the ropes. The only attributes Canelo has is that he can uh, be used as assets against Triple G are faster hands, upper body movement, and his weight. Uh, I'd, pick Ga- I'd pick Jacobs to beat Canelo. I'd pick a lot of guys to beat Canelo. I just pray Triple G hasn't gotten old or complacent since he was dominating actual contenders. Don't even get me started on the resume, resumes of both guys. Triple G owns him in that department because he fought prime fighters, just no huge names like the uh, red-headed uh, Mexican. Long time, uh, no communication. Billy, thanks, Mike from Michigan. Um, I, I don't know. I'll let you comment first on, uh, <laughs> on that email. Uh, Sal, what do you think? Well, I do think Triple G is going to break down Can- Canelo with a, a body attack, and then he's going to be able to uh, to take care of him on the ropes a little more effectively than what we saw Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. attempt to do. Um, that's just my opinion early on. Uh, I think there are a lot of fighters out there capable of uh, either exposing or possibly beating Canelo Alvarez. I think David Lemieux would give him a hell of a fight. And... Uh, you know, I think uh, Dave Lemieux, when he's right, uh, I think he can give a lot of these guys a hell of a fight because um, you cannot de- deny his power. But, uh, you know, um, well, I, you know, like I said, I, I was a big Canelo fan, as you remember, and uh, I I still am to a degree. I mean, I, I, I still respect his ability, his skills, and, you know, uh, he, he, he's been great at marketing himself and uh, golden boy as well and he is one of the golden boys out there as boxing today so i can't deny that nah i um you know i mean everybody's uh you know all, all on triple g's case now i mean bill joe saunders is talking smack about him of course, play, making of course. claims I mean, that right. he's he's uh you know weakened because he gets tested so much for steroids i don't know if he was insinuating that he he's on steroids or or what but uh you know, I mean, you could look at that a couple of different ways. There was an article written about that recently. And, you know, uh, they do test you at any time. You know, maybe, I don't know. I don't know. But, uh, you know, the only thing we got is uh, that Triple G uh, didn't look fantastic in his last two fights. Although one of them, he broke the guy's uh, eye socket. I was going to uh, say. And the other one, he dropped the guy and wanted to, you know, he just kept <laughs> winning. You know, so, I, I mean, I don't know. You know, but uh, it is a fight that we want to see. Uh, as far as resumes, I do give the edge of uh, a better-looking resume to Canelo. But uh, Canelo um, has never faced a, a fighter like uh, Triple G. And uh, although Canelo does have hand speed and youth, um, and it's going to be a good fight. I, I think the fight, fight is going to be good. I, I don't think Triple G is going to destroy Canelo like, uh, no. like I would have said if you asked me this uh, when we first wanted to see the fight. It is going to be yes. interesting to see what the weight situation is. Uh, I would hope that the weight limit is going to be 160. That's it. That's weight what it limit. should be. It's right. a middleweight fight. It should right. be 160. Right. Um, let's see. we got a couple more emails here. This one's from my man, Coach. 
He says, uh, just to touch on uh, the show that you had uh, about uh, the Canelo and Chavez Jr. Uh, fight possibly being fixed. He says, well, uh, now you have Canadian light heavyweight champ Adonis Stevenson paying Canadian-based uh, Elda Alvarez to step aside, um, to, to pay them step-aside money to face uh, unbeaten Shawnee Monaghan on Long Island. Then when word gets, hits the streets that Monaghan is having is training like an animal, Stephen pulls out of that fight and decides to go back uh, and fight a Fonfara in his hometown of Quebec. Uh, he goes uh, Fonfara in a rematch after he got stopped by Joe Smith. H- how does that happen? Uh, then to uh, finalize the WWE move, uh, Alvarez, uh, after getting step-aside money, uh, is fighting fellow Canadian Jean Pascal. And the winner gets Stevenson. So two hard-working up-and-comers get put on hold so Stevenson can, can stay at home and fight familiar names rather than act like a champion and face top contenders. Guess what the common denominator is here? He says it's the WBC on all three fights, Canelo Chavez, Stevenson Fonfara, and Alvarez Pascal. Uh, when you consider the WBC has Monaghan and Smith both ranked ahead of Pascal, you can easily see there is more than one way to fix fights. This time... They just serve it up on the path of least resistance. Um, interesting uh, comments by my man, Coach. And by the way, if you're watching or listening to the show live, um, I know there's several chat rooms available to you, but the one that we comment on and my man, Coach, is in right now is the one up on BillyCBoxing.com. Um, I find it appalling uh, that uh, Adonis Stevenson is choosing uh, the path that he is, Sal. Um, he's not, uh, you know, he brags that he's the linear champion, but it is clear that he picks the easiest opposition. Again, just another fighter uh, trying to emulate and copy Floyd Mayweather. And although Floyd Mayweather was successful at uh, cherry-picking uh, opponents, to have all fighters try and do that now is is ruining the sport. What's your thoughts? Well, of course. I mean, that's... Uh... You know, it's usually it usually is the matchmakers, the promoters, the managers. They all agree about the fights, and uh, you know, you propose it to the fighter, and hey, this is why we think this fight's gonna be of significance. And uh, you know, now it's it's uh, it's like, hey, let's do this and step aside money and everything else, and you know, it's uh it's it's a different puzzle, it's a different maze that people work through these days. Than, uh, than the old intent of what uh, what boxing was all about early on. Yeah, it's a shame. You know, I, I mean, you know, uh, you, uh, you 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 become a prospect. The way it should be is the way it was. You you That's right. you box as an amateur. You turn pro. You become a prospect. You work your way into becoming a contender. You work your way up the contender numbers until you're in the top ten. You start right. using a ladder pretty much and and fight the guys in front of you to move up a notch until finally you're in that number one spot and that's the guy that should be fighting uh the champion um you know when i asked uh, mauricio suleiman uh, when he came on last week about that you know he agreed that that's the way it should be but he also admitted that you know sometimes you you can't do it you know if uh, if a fighter you know if, the, if a fighter wants to fight a specific person and he didn't say it but he insinuated that if they want to take the easier route, if they don't approve that fight, meaning one specific sanctioning body, another one will. And it yeah. becomes, although he didn't admit it, uh, and he you know, claimed that the WBC is a, a non-for-profit, which it most very likely is registered as. Doesn't mean people make money off it, but uh, 
uh, it doesn't it doesn't mean they don't make money. But uh, you, you know, the the truth of the matter is, is uh, you know, if 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 we want to have a sanctioning body rise to the top and be the one that we think is the best of the best, then they got to be hardliners and and you know do what they got to do to make sure that their champions uh, fight the number one guy in their own rankings. That's that's a whole nother an issue, you know. Fighters go to these uh, uh, conventions for the sanctioning bodies, and they basically barter and get themselves ranked. You know, and uh, it, right. it's 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 a terrible situation. You know, the WBO. The, a lot of people don't give them much credit, but the WBO was pretty uh, uh, hardline on that, and uh, as a result, they may not have the best uh, of the best in terms of champions, but they do kind of. Uh, uh, you know, make their number one guys fight their champions. Uh, the problem is they don't have enough guys uh, in the pool of fighters. But uh, anyway, so what were you going to say? You, you heard that inhaling? Like yeah, I, I, I was ready. I, I heard like, that breath of air. I was getting ready for a big <laughs> statement. It sounded like you, had, you were no, long-winded. No, no, I am, I am. I, that was it. That was it. That was my cue, Bill. That was my cue. <laughs> <laughs> so okay. what you forgot or what? Yeah, I, no, no, I didn't forget. I was waiting for you to say, "Okay, Sal, spew it out." <laughs> well, I, I said Sal, and then all of a sudden, you, uh, the, the 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 cat got your tongue. I don't know, but uh, uh, but the bottom finish. line, I got a couple of more emails to read, but uh, we're gonna wait uh, and do those uh, afterwards. We're gonna uh, take a short break right now, and when we come back, we're scheduled to have uh, Dax Khan, and Dax is gonna. Uh, stick with us for uh, 10, 15 minutes. He's going to give us an update on what's going on in social media uh, as well as uh, some other things, including uh, Joe Smith Jr. I just mentioned yes. uh, his name in uh, uh, the email from Coach, and uh, uh, Dax uh, and I were talking off the air last night uh, about his next fight. So uh, we will uh, take a short break, and uh, when we come back, we'll talk to Dax. So uh, uh, don't go anywhere. We should... Uh, you know what? We should be back uh, in, I don't know. What do you think, Sal? I don't know. But I, I, I want to do say something uh, that I was going to spew out later. When you just let me know, just remind me so I can remember. All right. Remind me All so right. I can remember. All right. Sounds good. We're so, going to take a short break. So. We'll, be, we'll be back <laughs> in two. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. <laughs> That's my face. I hate you. I hate you. <laughs> That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. <laughs> That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy, Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're listening to the Billy C. Show. Uh, glad you could be with us. And uh, hey, speaking of the Billy C. Show, don't forget about my book. Yeah, get a copy. It's, uh, it's, it's available right now on Amazon.com or Barnes & Noble or even our own website. So uh, feel free to uh, grab a copy. And if you want one signed, you got to go to the website. 
Trust me, it's a quick read. It's uh, 150 pages. I think you'll love it. You'll love it. Learn about this guy. Speaking of learning, we always learn something when this guy's on. Joining us right now, uh, my main man, uh, Dax Khan. What's up, Dax? Hey, how are you? Oh, How's not too bad. Today? Not too bad. Morning, the ra- Dax. The rain Good finally morning. stopped in uh, New York, huh? Finally. For how long, who knows? Uh, it finally stopped for a little while anyway. This week is uh, supposed to be good. So, uh, hey, give us an update on social media before you uh, give us the lowdown on uh, Joe Smith Jr. Well, first, uh, as if the Canelo situation wasn't bad enough, you know, they just seem to continuously come out with something new about Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. to make that worse. If that wasn't probably the worst pay-per-view we've had in the last two decades, if maybe ever, come to find out Nacho Berenstein says that uh, Chavez Jr. was eating just slightly before the fight back inside the dressing room. And then, of course, he gets robbed by strippers back into back in um, his hotel room. Uh, you know, this this just gets worse and worse as time goes on. You know, you, you would think that with something is that bad, you know, there's an old saying that says, you know what, sometimes silence is the best thing. You know what, after you flop that much, just shut up already instead of keep bringing up things just to make fans more bitter. No doubt. I mean, uh, <laughs> uh, Junior's proven to be not the sharpest tool in the box. That's all I'm saying, you know. But uh, and, and I don't even know why he continues. I think he just feels guilty uh, to his pops. I really do. I Any, any updates on, on Senior? Because he seemed totally humiliated and crushed after that fight and i wouldn't be surprised if their relationship is is strained from here on out have you heard anything about that well he's gonna have his own show now on animal planet it's called chavez the ostrich because you know he's so embarrassed i really think he's gone and he's hit his head in the sand someplace and i can't blame him <laughs> funny guy yeah. that was good <laughs> what else is going on in social media brother Oh, what else is going on in social media? Uh, one, before uh, time goes on too much, uh, you know, just our condolences to the Peltz family with the passing yes. of uh, Eric Peltz this weekend, uh, uh, last weekend, you know, at only 38 years old. Uh, he was buried yesterday, so, you know, our deepest condolences out to the Peltz family. You know, Russ is one of the good guys in the sport, so you know what? You know, it was a shame to hear, especially a guy at such a young age. Yeah, no doubt. You're right about that, Dax, and uh, thanks for bringing that up. And um, the other thing is, too, you know, female boxing is really catching on fire. Uh, Lou DiBella himself has promised me that he's going to throw an all-female boxing card in New York with the attention that Heather Hardy and Shelly Vincent received on the undercard of Errol Spence and Leonard Bundu and um, with the other things that are going on in the sport. It's very understandable. Now, Clarissa Shields, she seemed to be the one who was really going to help put things over the hill. But, you know, her constant ranting on social media and arguing with established world champions and the fact that she's fighting for a belt against a less than stellar opponent, I understand that, you know, at the super middleweight division in the fe- in female boxing, there's not a lot of opponents, but you know, she's really being hand fed a lot of girls and she's going to run out of opponents soon. If Clarissa Shields runs out of opponents, but she only has one or two left, unless she goes overseas and she fights Tori Nelson, what's going to happen is female boxing is really going to be back into the same situation they were before Clarissa Shields came around. She's actually going to be more detrimental to the sport than she's been a bonus so far. I don't know how anybody around there isn't telling her, you know, some compose yourself like you are because what you're doing right now is you're hurting yourself it's another classic example of what happens when you get a young kid who gets too much fame too quickly they start thinking a little more of themselves than what they actually are well i agree with you 100 percent. and the other thing is is that i think 
you know, even though we're starting to see more female boxing, the the that's the positive. The negative is they're not fighting anybody. They're following the same path as as the the men. And the the whole point about female boxing, which I had hoped, which would really put them on the map, is if they were fighting the real fights, and they're choosing not to. And uh, I don't think. I, hey, good luck to Lou. Uh, I hope that it works out. But I I I I just see the same thing happening. A lack of interest. You know, when you're in mismatch fights, as far as Clarissa Shields, why didn't she go fight uh, uh, the German uh, uh, champion over there? I mean, if she's that good, fight her. You know, uh, she's the top uh, female fighter in, in, in and around her weight. She's going to have no choice but to either drop down to middleweight or she's going to have to go to heavyweight because there's no other fights available. Right. Well, you know, uh, uh, and like you said, you know, yes. And, and I we did, we broadcast a... Uh, uh, one of the uh, female boxing hall of fame events and all the female fighters were extremely proud of clarissa shields when she won the uh, gold medal the first one and um you know she really made an impact on them now it's time for her to make the impact uh, on the other side inside the ring as a pro and uh, we'll see what happens but i agree with you uh, on that 100 percent Definitely. Now, you know, here's something frustrating. Uh, today, you guys have spoken a lot about sanctioned bodies, and you've spoken a lot about uh, the participation awards. You know, it seems the sanctioned bodies are uh, becoming more like participation awards. Absolutely. Um, this weekend on the undercard of Gary Russell and Oscar Escadon for Russell's WBC featherweight title, what's going to happen is Jose Uzcadugui is going to face Andre Durrell for the interim IBF super middleweight title. Now, interim titles are bad enough, but now when they're being contested between two guys who don't deserve a shot at any sort of title, even a minor one, you know, that really just brings things down to a lower level. Andre Durrell was given a shot in 2015 against James DeGal, and, um, you know, since then he's had a win over Blake Caparello. But really, when you look at the career of Andre Durrell, the biggest accomplishment he's had so far was a split decision loss against Carl Froch and what might be the worst performance of Carl Froch's career. Other than that, he has a DQ win over Arthur Abraham. Now, Uzukadui, now, you know, his biggest win is over a very mediocre Julius Jackson. The last time he stepped up for any uh, a fighter of world caliber level was against Matt Korobov, and he ended up being nothing but a showcase opponent. So I just don't understand how do they even make these guys fight for any version of a title? How do they even become interim title challenges, which is supposed to make you the number one challenger for the world title? And how does an interim title become vacant in the first place? Those are all good questions. Like good what, question. what came first, the chicken or the egg? But, uh, but I, I tell you the truth. I think that that fight, and, and this is my opinion, I think it's going to be a competitive fight. Uh, Yuzagai is a, is, a, is a good fighter. He's a hard puncher. Uh, Andre Durrell has just not done anything, like you said. And I think, you know, just for the fight, forget the belt. I think the fight uh, ought to be competitive. But uh, fill us in on the Joe Smith Jr. situation. Last Thursday, Star Boxing streamed a live fight card in its entirety on Facebook. The commentators, Michael Woods and Ray Flores, as we spoke about, did a great job commentating and interacting with fans. It was a great event. Uh, Joe DeGuardia danced around the question when the name Joe Smith Jr. came up. Uh, he didn't seem too enthused about the question. He kept his comments short when they asked, who's Joe Smith Jr. going to be fighting next? He said, Stevenson chose to fight Fonfaro. So another big fight for Joe is coming up soon. It'll be this summer. It's going to be against a big name, and it's going to be televised. He refused to comment any further on who that opponent's going to be. 
Now, prior to his reports, a lot of people believed that Joe Smith Jr. had been sold to Barrera was a short thing, considering Barrera's failed attempt at negotiation to get that fight up to the yes, and a short notice out against him. Yeah, we're losing you. We're losing you, Dax. We're losing you. Got me? Yeah, I got you now. I got you now. All right. Sorry. Um, yeah, so, you know, prior to that, a lot of people believed that uh, Joe Smith Jr. and Sullivan Barrera was a short thing. Considering Barrera's recent failed negotiations with Arthur Peter Biev and the short notice fight against No Hope or Paul Parker, uh, fights against either Adonis Stevenson or New York fellow fan favorite Shawnee Monaghan not uh, not materializing for Smith Jr. Reports of uh, Barrera versus Smith Jr. seem very credible because both needed a big dance partner. Less than 24 hours later, though, what do we find out? The WBC orders their number three ranked Smith Jr. to fight their number two ranked Alexander Zvodzik. The name's Zvodzik, man, this is a very good fighter. And if I was Joe DeGuardi, I wouldn't be too happy with that decision either, considering he just went through Uniseki Gonzalez, a very good light heavyweight, also under the star banner, like a hot knife through melted butter less than two months ago. Um, now, almost... I, I, I like the fight, though. I, 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 I totally get it. I, 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 I think Joe Smith Jr. Is, is being the odd man out. But at least they're putting a number two against a number three guy. You know, I mean, uh, but but I agree with you. That's going to be a tough fight, I, you know, but the bottom line is this is what we cry about. This is what we want. We want to see guys fighting real fights. I mean, uh, you know, all of a sudden we can't change, you know, direction and say, well, it's too tough of a fight for him. You know, Joe Smith uh, popped onto the scene. He got a big win. And then, yes, it seems that no one wants to fight him. Uh, this is kind of a move, even though it's going to be a tough, another tough, um, you know, stepping stone for him. Should he get by, I doubt that there could be any denying um, that uh, you know he gets that next shot. Remember, his win was over Funfara, and Funfara was, you know, I think that was a guy that was totally overrated from the get-go. And it is a sin that he's getting a rematch with Stevenson, especially after a a, a nonchalant victory to get him back in the picture, but. Uh, Joe Smith Jr., this is almost like a championship fight for him, Dax. No, they see, there's a catch, though. The catch going on there is Alidia Alvarez is the sanctioning body's number one ranked fighter. Alidia Alvarez is also promoted by Group Yvonne Michelle, GYM, the same company that promotes Adonis Stevenson. They've already paid Alvarez step-aside money so Stevenson can fight against his next opponent, which is Fonfara, that Joe Smith Jr. already beat. Now, just because should Joe Smith Jr. win this, that doesn't guarantee he's going to get himself a title shot because all they have to do is keep manipulating and maneuvering around. And you know something? Unless there is some way to get Lydia Alvarez out of that number one spot, Joe Smith Jr. is not going to get that title shot. See, this is a game right here of leverage with motive and promotion power and who you have behind you. It's not so much your accomplishment, it's who you got behind you that can kind of manipulate and usher you inside to that situation. Now, of course, Joe DeGuardia doesn't have to accept that. He can say, you know what, my guy's going to go a different route. There's a lot of other big fights out there for Joseph Jr. But with Andre Ward and Kovalev 2 coming up, should Kovalev win his, win his titles back, main events, he's going to get one of their guys in there. And that's going to be namely Sullivan Barrera, who's higher on the list 
in every sanctioning body except the WBC than Joe Smith Jr. And if Andre Ward retains his titles, Andre Ward, of course, he's going to take a layoff and he's going to look for a bigger money fight. And right now, Joe Smith Jr. at this stage is not the guy that can the type of money that Andre Ward wants. Your sound is going in and out, uh, Dax, uh, big time. But uh, let, let me just st- say this. Keep one thing in, in mind. Promoters, we cry about the fact that fighters aren't busy enough anymore. Um, but but the, the key here is promoters willing to, to put on the event. And I think where, you know, you got Alvarez and, um, you know, Stevenson uh, under the GYM banner, they know, and I say they, the sanctioning body, in this case the WBC, they know that Yvonne Michel um, will put on an event. He, they know that he's got venue. They know that he's got a fan following. They know he's got TV deals. They know that this event can be put on. That puts them in the driver's seat. If Joe Smith Jr.'s promoter, Joe DeGuardia and Star Boxing, would invest any money at all into putting on a big event, they too would have more opportunities for the fighters. The fighters, uh, the bottom line is when a young fighter decides to sign with a promoter, you know, most cases what they want. I want to stay busy. I want fights. And, and the promoter, oh, yeah, we'll get you fights. We'll get you fights. But the key now is you got to see a promoter that does big fights, not just club fights, not just club shows that they throw you a sacrificial lamb and you get the W so that your value goes up and then you get an opportunity to go fight some killer on their home turf. Uh, you know, And that's what Joe DeGuardia is doing. You mentioned an extremely important point, Dax, about Unieski Gonzalez. That was under the star banner. Uh, uh, promotion. Nothing against Star Banner, but this was a guy that, um, you know, I I had a lot of hope for. I was shocked uh, that he uh, got blown out the way he did. But maybe, maybe it's because of that simple path, that easy path to where he was with his shot. I unfortunately feel the same thing is going to happen to Joe Smith Jr. You're totally silent now, Dax. So, uh, anyway... Really? No. Now we got you. So uh, right, that, that's what I'm saying. It's 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 who's behind you, not your accomplishments anymore. Right. You know that's that's exactly what's going on with this kid right here, and that's what's going to happen. There is no way he's going to get a shot at the winner of Kovalev and Ward. And what happens is is that they're going to continuously dance around win or lose against uh uh you know Alexander Zvodzik. He's not going to get the shot there because they're going to dance around that. And the fact that you don't have that promoter for the reasons like you stated is what's going to hurt this kid's career. This is an unforgiving sport with a short memory. Highlight reel knockouts are forgotten the second a new one happens. And if you happen to be at the end of a highlight reel knockout, you know something, everything you've worked for, especially at this stage of your career, is totally just gone. Now, you know, Alexander Vodzik, he's one of, you know, the Klimas, you know, one of his um, his wrecking crews. He's on there, you know, with, with the guys that, you know, include the Alexander Yusik, uh, Vasil Lomachenko, uh, Sergei Kovalev. He also has top rank behind him. Truth of the matter is, Alexander Vodzik is good for business. And a fight against Joe Smith Jr., win, lose, or draw, without the power behind him of a bigger promoter, What's going to happen is he's going to get lost into the shuffle, and he's going to end up fighting back at the Paramount, and his biggest career accomplishments are going to be his wins over an old Bernard Hopkins and his win over, as you stated, a very overrated Andre Fonfara. Not that they weren't great wins, but the fact of the matter is if you're not 
given an opportunity to capitalize on that, you know something, everything that you fight for just totally gets lost inside the shuffle. Joe Smith Jr. is the guy you want to root for because he's doing in this sport exactly what the sport has always been about. He's using this opportunity to do something with his life that he would never be able to do any other way. He works a full-time job as a construction worker, and he still gets business done inside the ring. So, you know, at times, you know, we complain about where guys don't fulfill contracts. Uh, Canelo was a guy, you know, who's still going through contract issues. Andre Ward was a guy we complain about. And there's a lot of others. But, you know, something there comes a time where you see a guy like a Joe Smith Jr. who's worked hard, not getting his just due, where you have to say to yourself, you know what, I'd like to see this kid get out of his contract and go with somebody who can at least give him the opportunity, win, lose, or draw, give him what he's worked for. The biggest accomplishments that uh, he's making is – making money for Joe DeGuardi. I mean, that that's 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 the truth. And as far as you just said something and you were giving credit to him. And and this is where I I I find that the sport is in its biggest uh negative. You gave credit for Joe Smith Jr. for getting work done inside the ring as well as uh, on a construction site because he he has a full-time job. And I get it. You know, I mean, in life today, it's, it's very hard to make ends meet. But that's one of the biggest problems with the sport of boxing today. Fighters are doing it part time. We don't have the full time trade of a fighter anymore, a boxer. And the sport is suffering because of it. And I want to ask you something, Sal. The question that Dax was making about the rankings and everything else, uh, the, the comments he made about uh, you know uh, the WBC, et cetera, et cetera, doesn't that fall into what we were just saying? Where you know if if you're a fighter and you get ranked um, with a specific sanctioning body, you want to stay with a sanctioning body that's going to give you the opportunity to move up in that sanctioning body's rankings. Because remember, the four major sanctioning bodies all have their different rankings. So you might yes. be ranked at one at, at, a, at, a, at number five and number one at the other one. You know, So, so you, know, you want to be with a sanctioning body that's going to rank you uh, and give you the opportunities to move up in the rankings. How they're having a, a number three and number four guy fight with no room for advancement, like Dax just said, with the uh, uh, other fight already the winner of... Uh, uh, the uh, uh, Stevenson fight already looking to, that, that he's going to be matched with someone other than Joe Smith uh, is not fair. What, what's your thoughts about getting back to basics and, and having these fighters have the opportunity to climb the rankings and fight the guy that's above them to take that higher spot? Well, and that's exactly what it is. I mean, that's how it used to be. I remember, you know. Each state had their state champion. Then we had the NABF, the National uh, Boxing Association. Then we had the USBA, the United States Boxing uh, Association, USBA. Uh, and, and these were all the, the platforms that you became a rank contender in the world. Then you broke into the top ten of the world. And you would climb your way up because every six months, the champion of that division or that council would have to take on the number one ranked contender in the world. So you wanted to get to the number one spot, and you would look if number if you're number ten, you want to fight somebody in uh, nine or or up to to get higher. And that's the way it used to be, unless you had a manager that would pay some money off and uh, buy your way up the ladder, and uh, and uh, that that happened too. But the bottom line is that's the old way, and that's part of my. My segue with my deep breath of what I wanted to say earlier, but <laughs> Dax, um, you know it's it's hard. It's, um, it's hard today with with fighters and and 
decisions that they make. And you made a great point about, yeah. you know, should a guy fight in a tough fight and get knocked out, all of a sudden everything he's worked hard for gets, goes down the drain. And the reason is because of the value that um, the media and, you know, promoters and television networks have put into the almighty O. And unless you uh, get some other way of, of having people ignore that, as a guy like Joe Smith, whose claim to fame was the knockout over Fonfara and the fact that he's unbeaten, uh, you know, he loses in another tough fight and people are going to be saying, oh, he, they're going to use the E word. He was exposed. Uh, what's your final thoughts on that? Final thoughts on that is, you know, exactly what I said. It's about who you have behind you. Somebody in the chat room had mentioned about um, how come Vladimir Klitschko all of a sudden appeared in WBC rankings after a loss to uh, Anthony Joshua. That was a totally different situation. That's the man that ran a division for over a decade. And what happened there was his inactivity was due to the fact that the rematch with Tyson Fury never materialized. Uh, one last thing, somebody inquired, uh, mentioned about uh, the Javante Davis and Liam Walsh face-off that took place before their upcoming fight this weekend, and uh, Floyd Mayweather being there. Now, this is another guy who, despite as great of a fighter he is, you know something, he seems to kind of uh, be a little bit detrimental to this kid. You know, uh, Floyd spent more time talking with Liam Walsh than actually Javante Davis did. Uh, Floyd mentioned that, you know, Davis is going to win because in his fight against Pedraza, Davis told his corner, I don't want to hear what you have to say. I only want to listen to him. And I told him what to do. And that's why he's going to win. You know, Walsh responded to that with saying, I'm not fighting you. I'm fighting him. But Floyd Mayweather seemed awful proud of the fact that Javante Davis was ignoring his corner and only wanted to listen to him. Now, what happens, Floyd, when Javante Davis is put into a tough situation where he needs instruction inside that corner and he needs to make some adjustments and you're too busy ringside uh, signing an autograph or you're in front of that camera and Javante Davis has no idea what to do? Or worse yet, what we see a lot of times, too, take Julio Cesar Chavez Sr., for example, um, all of a sudden this guy isn't living up to the expectations you want and now all of a sudden you're angry and you're frustrated and you start taking your uh, attentions elsewhere. I've seen that happen personally with Floyd Mayweather Jr. at a card up in um, in Verona the night that uh, Badu Jack was knocked out by Derek Edwards. All of a sudden, Badu Jack became the ignored guy and all attention went on to a Jay Leon Love, who really is C-level at best. So where's that going to leave a 22-year-old impressionable kid? Either you're going to be his trainer, you're going to be his promoter. You can't be both, but you know something, by trying to be both and trying to use this kid and get this kid's head all confused, in my opinion, that's just a recipe and a guaranteed road for disaster if you don't do something right by this kid. I agree with you 100%. Dax, I appreciate it, and uh, we'll look forward to you. Uh, you're coming on again later in the week, right? Yeah, later in the week, uh, I think uh, Friday we're on, right? Yeah, we'll do Friday... Uh, and uh, we got a lot of fights this weekend, so uh, we'll be looking for your breakdowns and predictions, my man. All right, absolutely. Everybody enjoy your day. The weather's beautiful. Take, Take it easy, man. That's Dax Khan. Check out his column uh, up on BillyCBoxing.com. And I just want to comment uh, real quick, Sal, on something yeah. that he just said about Floyd and, and Javonta Davis. Yeah. And we'll have uh, more time uh, later in the week. Uh, uh, beginning Thursday to discuss uh, all the big fights this weekend. I mean, Javante Davis and Leon Walsh, Gary Russell and Oscar Escondon, uh, the fight that uh, uh, Dax mentioned, uh, uh, Jose uh, guy against uh, Andre Durrell. And uh, there's a really good fight on uh, uh, Fox Sports, too. David Benitez against uh, Porky Medina. And then, of course, uh, Terrence Crawford is fighting this weekend against Felix Diaz. So wow. we got, uh, uh, we got uh, a, a big slate of, uh, of fights that, 
But I, I want to say this. Javante Davis, there's no question that he's an, a, a, a very uh, talented fighter. But I, I, once again, and I know I'm going to get criticized for this, but once again, Floyd Mayweather is a negative influence. He may, you know, this is why I make these crazy statements. People call them crazy, but they're not, Sal, where Floyd is bad for boxing. Floyd was successful at what he did. He was able to do everything that he did and turn it into a fantastic success story. There's no question. Whether you like him or whether you hate him, you can't deny it. And, and I'm not a big fan of his, but I would never deny that he was successful. But... Um, first of all, he doesn't really sign autographs like Dax. Dax was just using that as a metaphor. But the truth of the matter is, is the guy isn't approachable. And that's one of the things I don't like about Floyd Mayweather. He doesn't, uh, you know, interact with the fans on a positive level. He flaunts things. And his fan base seemed to like that. Um, but, you know, as far as building a lifelong fan, I mean, the best athletes will always be approachable and accessible to young fans, to kids, uh, because this will make a lifelong fan. Um, I think that by uh, Floyd doing what he's doing with the young Javante Davis, who's now traveling to England to fight his first uh, title defense, I think he's hurting him. For a guy to not listen to his own corner and listen to Floyd, what has Floyd Mayweather done as a trainer? You know, Floyd Mayweather Sr. is the trainer, not Junior. Junior may know everything that he needed to know to win fights with his own body and his own tactics. To try to teach that, you know, great fighters don't always make a great teacher. As a matter of fact, some not-so-great fighters have turned into great teachers. I think that Floyd Mayweather uh, has hurt the sport in many, many ways. And for him to parade around acting like he's for the good of the sport, I think that the truth of the matter is he's, a, he's nothing but a smokescreen and that all he cares about is himself. And to be honest with you, Sal, I think he's been 100% negative for the sport because people are trying to do it the way he did it. And I don't think that it's, it's easily done. I think that Floyd deserves the credit for being successful at the way he did it for himself, but I don't think other fighters can copy what he did and be as successful. What do you think? Well, and you hit it right there. I mean, that was the Floyd Mayweather game book and plan, and he did it very well. He was 100% successful at this point. And, uh, you know, I think what you see or what you are seeing is just that other fighters seeing the success that he has had and the monies that, that, that he's earned in a ring and, uh, the notoriety and, and they're saying, well, let me look at that game book that he wrote and, uh, let me see what I can take from it and apply to my career and, uh, nothing wrong with that on a level. But, uh, except for the fact that if it's diluting the integrity of the game of boxing, then, uh, and I say that a little tongue in cheek, uh, then it could be bad for boxing. Um, you know, the bottom line is, you know, each fighter has their career and they got to map out where they want to be at what time during their lifespan in the ring because, you know, a fighter only has a few short years to break it into the top 10 to, as you said, the old days, you know, you start out as a prospect, you become a contender, then you get ranked and then you get a title shot. You got to do that in just a few short years. How do you want to best achieve that? And what do you want to do to market yourself and get the people in the team around you to move you in that direction? 
So, you know, and I, but I do give Floyd his credit where it's due. His game book was perfect for Floyd, but it's not to be copied by everyone. Everybody else, you know, become uh, become unique in your own game plan and, and try to try to uh, do what you have to do for you. No doubt. Um, one last thing. We're going to take a short break and then come back with the last two emails I got. Uh, but um, Billy Joe Saunders uh, is scheduled to fight again uh, late uh, in um, – uh, later this year, uh, when is it going to be? To uh, do, to do, I forget when it's going to be. But uh, he is going to be fighting in London on the forgotten date uh, that uh, I didn't seem to write down. <laughs> didn't seem to write down on my notes, which uh, <clears throat> uh, I apologize for. But uh, uh, he will be uh, taking on uh, Anne uh, Avatel. I can't even pronounce this guy's name. Uh, Avantel de I uh, Curtsy uh, is fighting uh, Billy Joe Saunders. Um, this is the guy that Saunders has been talking smack about in social media for a long time. He calls him Danny DeVito, and wow. the re- well, the reason why is he's five foot four, and um, you know Saunders is is, is five foot eleven. He, he says he will absolutely positively not lose uh, against him. Uh, Kurt, uh, Curtsy. Is thirty seven years old. He's uh, out of Georgia, not your Georgia, out of the nah, Republic yeah. of Georgia. We, we, we yeah, about yeah I know. <laughs> <laughs> Which we won't get into because I I don't want to I don't want to no. be strung up when no. I come down in a no. couple of weeks. But um, he is fighting out of Brooklyn, and uh, it's going to be uh, interesting to see. He's under the DeBella banner, and uh, I, I tell you, I I think that Billy Joe Saunders, no disrespect, is is another. I'm going to say he's part of what the problem in the, with boxing is, but not because of him, because of the no. fact that he even has a belt um, and that he's even able to say he's a, a world middleweight champion when I think everyone that even follows the sport of boxing all look at Triple G as the middleweight world champion. So um, anyway, we'll see what happens uh, uh, at uh, the Copper Box uh, Arena in London uh, when these guys... Uh, I'll get it on uh, in the near future, uh, which uh, unfortunately <clears throat> I don't have in front of me. But uh, hey, Sal, uh, let's take a short break. I got a couple of more emails. We got our trivia question, which uh, I'm still waiting for uh, the guy who cried. Uh, there's a trail of tears from uh, my studio all the way to, I won't mention his name, but his initials are Kevin, who's in the chat room. And I'm still waiting for him to get the answer hey, correct. Kevin. But uh, I'm going to give a couple of more hints today. And if we don't get it, I'm going to move on and save it. But uh Anyway, don't go anywhere. Uh, We will be back in about two. Billy C. will be right back. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're listening and watching the Billy C. Show. Uh, Glad you could join us. And uh, speaking of joining us uh, with me now uh, is uh, my man uh, Sal Rocky Senecola who's not paying attention because uh, he's just putting his headset on. Um, you know, I, I tell you the truth. I, I think I'm going to call for that uh, a pool 
because uh, I think that would look good in my uh, in my backyard. And plus, it it looks like it's a good workout, doesn't it? It does. It's a good workout. It's safe, you know. You have the endless pool. You know, you're gonna keep swimming. It's gonna be a water push past you. And uh, I would see if you get a bigger model. I would get like a wave pool. See if they could put a rush of water. Maybe I, because I would like to surf in a pool like that. Hey, I got an idea maybe. for you. Why don't you call <laughs> that eight hundred number, Sal? And ask for the free idea kit, and it will help us out, Sal. All you got to do is ask for the kit. You know, I mean, nobody has to buy it in order to help us out, Sal. So, I mean, you know, and that that goes for everyone else that's listening to the show. I like that idea. If you want to help us out, call for the free idea kit from Endless Pools, (laughs) 1-800-949-9259. 1-800-949-9259. Call Say you heard it on the Billy C show and uh, get an information kit. And if you buy it, you buy it. If not, you still help us out, right? Absolutely. <laughs> but I have to, can you imagine that? Have it, have it revved up to a degree where the water's rushing past you and you're on your surfboard and you can do some cutbacks and all this stuff. I think that'd be pretty neat. Yeah, I mean, you know, and then, then you'll know I've lost my mind when I start fishing in there. Oh, I'm fishing in the stream. I got the, I got the bait bouncing right there. Anyway. We got uh, another email. This one's from uh, my man uh, Chip, or actually we know him uh, as Mitch. Uh, And his subject is uh, AJ, Anthony Joshua. He says, if I'm Anthony Joshua, I go after Luis Ortiz first. First of all, the guy is threatening um, to sue if he doesn't get the fight because he happens to be the mandatory. Secondly, it's the perfect time. Uh, he fought three times in 2016, but by the time he fights Joshua, it'll it'll have been around nine months since his last fight. He's also coming off an injury, which caused his last fight to be canceled. In addition, his last two opponents were David Allen, who had only nine fights, and Malik Scott, who took a dive against Deontay uh, Wilder. And in parentheses, he says, talking about fixed fights. Uh, he says, lastly, he has a promotional uh, problems. Uh, he went from Golden Boy to Matchroom to PBC all in a couple of months. Uh, Joshua, get that guy now before he gets healthy and gets a few fights in and then faces you. Get through that, then fight Wilder, then whoever else, especially since Wilder's taken a stance of not fighting Ortiz because he's failed a drug test. Uh, even though the guy has been tested numerous times since, he's using a Povetkin angle to say he's not fighting either of those guys. Of course, Stavern, another guy who's failed a test, is okay to fight? Is that true, Deontay? Uh, and this is from my man Mitch. Um, he makes a great point. Deontay Wilder ducking uh, two guys. Now, I don't blame him for ducking Povetkin, Sal. Povetkin failed uh, two tests. But to duck Ortiz, um, you know, I, uh, Deontay Wilder, he, the guy's, he's Toro from, from Heart of the Fall. I mean, we can't say it any different, right? You know, like I said, only because he hasn't fought what you would like to see as far as top of contention. And and I think that uh, if he tries to show that he, he will do that and he gets in a ring with uh, these these the, the top opposition, uh, then he defeats them, then, you know, i got to give him all the credit in the world. But until that, yeah, he's going to be Toro Toro. And I don't mean a matador with a cape, red cape. No, I think that... Um... I think that uh, my man Mitch uh, has uh, has a pretty good idea. You know, yeah. I would love to see uh, Anthony Joshua take on Ortiz. 
you know, first things first, uh, Klitschko's got the rematch clause. Uh, whether he's got to, uh, you know, decide. I think he's. I think he's deciding uh, within the next week or so. And uh, should he uh, uh, choose to exercise that, then we know uh, AJ will be fighting Klitschko again. If not, the path I would like to see is I would love to see uh, Anthony Joshua uh, go after uh, Ortiz, let Klitschko fight Deontay Wilder, and then have Deontay Wilder, uh, a Klitschko winner, uh, fight uh, Anthony Joshua. I, I mean, you know, Anthony Joshua so far has shown us that he's willing to fight the big fight, Sal, and... Uh, Yes. Um, there, there's uh, there's no reason to fight anyone less than one of these top uh, so-called champions. Even even Joseph Parker should be thrown into the mix. I mean, these are all beatable fights. I think uh, for uh, for AJ, I think uh, AJ can beat all these guys. I think he's the best heavyweight uh, in the world today. What do you think? Yeah, I think you're right. And I mean, we talked about it, and uh, you know, it's a, it's hard to say on a young fighter like this that he's still developing, but he is. He, he's, he's not so much developing as he's showing his fans and, and everybody in the world what he can do and what, what, what maybe is exposed as far as potentially weaknesses or his assets. And that's all that's coming out right now. So he's just got to uh, negate the negative and accentuate the positive. And I think uh, any, any fighter should be able to do that. And uh, let's see what he does here. The best he's, he's, fighter is one of the best. The best fighters in history of the sport have challenged themselves the most. Yes. And yes. Anthony Joshua appears to be following that path. And in his case, although, uh, you know, I, the safest way I can say it is Anthony Joshua is getting better and better. And yes. that's what you want out of any athlete. Uh, each uh, year you're in your sport is to get better and better. If you can constantly get better, um, you're 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 just moving upward. There's no question about it. And once those skill set starts to fade, that's when your body and mind is, and people that might be seeing it before you are, are telling you it's time to start winding down your career. Uh, otherwise, you become susceptible to you know uh, danger in terms of boxing getting beaten up, or even in uh, a context sport like football, slowing down a step and. If you're a running back or a receiver getting hit a little harder or if you're a defensive guy, um, you know, not taking those uh, that impact like you used to uh, when you uh, tackle a, f a fellow uh, player. So, uh, yeah, I, I think uh, the time is right right now. He just uh, had the biggest win of his career and uh, he's only got a handful of guys to beat. And then his place is secure. I mean, it's that simple for him. That's right. uh, there's nobody else uh, on the rise that, you know, you're going to say, oh, man, here's a young guy. Here's a 10-0 guy. I can't wait to see fight Anthony Joshua. I mean, come on. There's plenty of guys there right now that he could fight. Uh, it's just the willingness of all the parties involved, all the claws into the cash cows are involved. And uh, if they're willing to, to play nice, it can all happen. But the greed factor, Sal, the greed factor is killing. Comes down to greed. Unfortunately. So, unfortunately. Yeah. But uh, anyway, uh, I got one more email. And this one is from our friend Angel from uh, Wisconsin. And uh, it's a baseball topic. It's a baseball. All right. And so uh, he says, uh, hola, senor C. Uh, I'm a baseball fan, and I grew up at a time when baseball had no interleague play. I missed those days, and in a way, I liked that baseball was different than other major sports uh, with the uh, interleague games. If I was the commissioner, I would at least do a year 
of no interleague. My second subject is the designated hitter rule and how the American League has it and the National League doesn't. I'm not in favor of the DH, and I like how the National League, uh, by having no DH, means playing the game the old school way, and the strategy is different. If you were the baseball commissioner, what would you do with both the DH and interplay league rules? Wow. Um, Great questions, and uh, I appreciate that, uh, Angel. Um, First and foremost, as far as the interleague play, when they first started that, um, I think the thought process was to have the rivalries uh, that baseball could have had, like we see in football. You know, uh, in football, uh, we did uh, merge two leagues together, the AFL and the NFL, back in 1970, and it became the AFC and the NFC. And then at the end of the year, we have a Super Bowl, which puts the champion of the AFC against the NFC, which in a sense is kind of, you know, uh, replicating what we had originally in the first three Super Bowls, with the Jets winning the third one, by the way, when the uh, <laughs> AFL uh, played the NFL. Um, but since 1970 merger, AFC teams play NFC teams. So in a sense, that's interleague play. Now, as far as baseball is concerned, I don't mind the interleague play, especially in, in my case, being a New Yorker. Uh, you know, I get to see the, the Mets and Yankees play each other. And if you're from Chicago, you get to see the Cubbies and the White Sox play. And, uh, you know, Florida has the Tampa Bay uh, Rays and the Florida Marlins. And, you know, those kinds of rivalries, I, I, I think, are good. It's the games that make no sense. You know, you have... Uh, the Dodgers uh, playing the Indians or something, you know, I mean, uh, what's the point, you know? Uh, so I think if they kept the interleague play in baseball uh, focused on, uh, you know, interstate rivalries, I think that, uh, that it would go good. The other thing I don't like about the interleague is some teams have a hard time with those different rules that I'm going to touch on right now. And the interleague play could actually really hurt their own playoff chances within their own division and league. So uh, uh, if they could keep it to just the rivalry stuff, I, I'm for it. Uh, but uh, some of these other extended interleague play games like they're doing now, I think is uh, over the top. Now, as far as the DH is concerned, I feel that the DH is bad for baseball. Um, I like the fact that a pitcher has to hit. I think that it does change the concept of the game. Um, you know, guys, uh, although a lot of uh, older players that are hitters that lose their ability to field can find a home and a paycheck for uh, several more years in the American League because they can hit the ball still, but they can't run, they can't field, they can't do anything else but hit. And, um, you know, the pitcher doesn't have to hit. I think it hurts the pitchers in the World Series and interleague play when they do have to hit. Uh, personally, I think... Uh, I would love to see, uh, you know, uh, no DH in, in, in baseball. But the only thing is, is that what makes the two leagues different is the DH. And the fact that uh, the National League uh, has a tendency to play small ball and the American League uh, likes to knock balls out of the park. So uh, it's a matter of preference. Me personally, I only like interleague play when it's uh, interstate rivalries and the DH I could do without. What's your thoughts, Sal? 
I do like interleague play. And remember the first year it came out and uh, it was neat because just as you said, I said, wow, the Yankees are going to play the Mets. And, uh, you know, it was exciting. And uh, I think it's a neat thing because look at, at the end of the year, you're having the world series. And for these two teams to, to uh, these two divisions, uh, like a world sanctioning body to merge together for unification. I think it's a great thing. And I think, uh, you know, it would be like an opportunity for these teams to get to know one of the one of one another. And as far as one league having the DH and the other league not having a DH, I'm not a fan of the DH uh, simply for the fact, as you said, I think the, the the pitcher is the ninth player on the team, and he should be able to bat. And that's 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 it. That's as simple as you want to make it. The DH was invented, and uh, to for whatever reason, because pitchers weren't known to be big batters, and uh, they want to put a superstar who's a DH uh, uh, that that could uh, pull the game or turn the game around. That's fine. Now I understand that, but uh, I do appreciate when each league sticks to their their uh, rules and regulations, and and the other team will have to cross over and try it. I'm not a big fan of the DH. I like to see a pitcher get up at back because he's still the ninth man on a team that can do that. I think we should have a a, 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 a DQB, a, a designated quarterback for teams, you know? I mean, uh, maybe that would uh, help. But uh, in any event, we got our trivia question. Now, I'm right. going to give you guys uh, another hint uh, today, and I may do this one more hint if we don't get a correct answer uh uh, tomorrow but if we don't have a correct answer i'm going to save this one i'm not going to give you the answer because i'm that kind of a guy and uh, we'll move on but here's the question now if you're the first one to answer this question correctly by emailing me billy at talking boxing that's t-a-l-k-i-n b-o-x-i-n-g dot com uh you'll win uh uh, your very own copy of the Title Bout Championship computer game, the same simulation game that Alex Papali uses uh, for our blast from the past. So uh, if you're the first one to email me, Billy at Talkin' Boxing, that's T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G dot com, uh, you'll win uh, the prize. Here's the question. Which former world champion lost the most title fights? Which former world champion lost the most title fights. Now, here are, are the hints. The first hint is that he fought two of his opponents two times each. So four of his total uh, fights that he lost, his total uh, title fights that he lost, were against two guys four, because he lost, you know, two times two is four, right? The other hint that I want to give you is that of all of these losses, this guy was stopped four times. He was stopped four times. All the rest of the fights, he went the distance. So if you're the first one to email me the correct answer, Billy at Talkin' Boxing, that's T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G.com, you'll win the prize. Now, as usual, uh, I want to give, because uh, Sal's been studying, and uh, I want to give him a chance to spoil the apple cart and give us the correct answer here, and then I'll move right on to the next one right now. So, Sal... Uh, now that you have uh, the hints, the question is, which former world champion lost the most title fights? The first uh, hint was that he fought two of his opponents two times each. And the second hint is that of all these lost title shots, he was stopped 
four times. Sal, Rocky, Senecola. Who do you think this is? Um, Jack Dempsey? No, Sal. It's not Jack Dempsey, and um, I appreciate your, uh, your, 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 your shot at this. And uh, unfortunately for the uh, listeners and viewers out there, uh, you guys are going to have to uh, try and guess it. It's email me, Billy at Talking Boxing. That's T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G.com. Uh, On this day in boxing history, May 16th in 1998, Jean-Baptiste Mendy, wins a 12-round decision over Orzubak Nazarov to win the world uh, WBA uh, light uh, the the WBA world lightweight title and that took place in Paris, France, took place in France. On this day in 1987, Santos Lacar uh, knocks out Gilberto Roman in the 11th round uh, to win the uh, WBC world junior bantamweight title and that fight took place in France. That fight took place in France. On this day in 1929, former world heavyweight champion and boxing hall of famer Max Baer makes his pro debut uh, with a wow. second round knockout over Chief Caribou in uh, California on this day in 1929. On this wow. day in 1977, Muhammad Ali wins a 15 round decision over Alfredo Invicialista uh, to retain his WBC and WBA World Heavyweight title, and that took place in Maryland. On this day in 1975, Muhammad Ali knocks out Ron Lyle. Ron Lyle was one of my favorite fighters. In the 11th round to retain his WBC and WBA World Heavyweight titles, that took place in Vegas. Um, you know, just to go show you how, how, how great of a fighter Ali was, just go, go punch up Ron Lyle and see what he looked like. Unbelievable. And finally... On this day, May 16th in 1955, Rocky Marciano knocks out Don Cockle uh, in the ninth round to retain his world heavyweight title. It took place in San Francisco, California. The Rock uh, uh, would fight uh, one time uh, four months later and stop Archie Moore in the ninth uh, at Yankee Stadium and then retired uh, at 49-0. and 0. Uh, Sal, any final yes. thoughts as we wrap it up today? I was just going to give you my, my thoughts from when I took that deep breath earlier, unless you want to save it for tomorrow. Yeah, let's save, let's save it for let's tomorrow save because, tomorrow. Uh, you know, our final <laughs> thoughts, we're, we're out of time. Uh, so hold that thought and do. don't hold your breath, but hold the thought, you know. But uh, uh, anyway, uh, so I, I, I just want to remind everybody, make sure you tune in tomorrow morning. Same bat time, same bat channel. Until then, <laughs> ciao, baby. Dan and 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 and